Hi, friends, and welcome to the Not Your Parents' Religion podcast. I am your host, Pastor Robert Young. Now, I have over 30-plus years of pastoring and mentoring other pastors, 30-plus years of church planting and teaching others to do evangelism and discipleship. We provide biblical answers to today's tough questions. Now, today our question is, is the prosperity gospel unbiblical? Yes, and here's why. Join me and my co-host, Jill, as we try to unpack this controversial subject next on the podcast. Okay, welcome back, friends. I'm here today with my co-host, Jill. Um, Hi, everyone. And we're going to try to unpack this question of the day. Is the prosperity gospel unbiblical? And we say yes, and here's why. But before we get into why we believe, according to the Bible, that the prosperity gospel is unbiblical, let's define what the prosperity gospel really is. And I know um, we don't need a whole lot of explanation. The media has done the best job ever of showing um, non-believers that the prosperity gospel is unbiblical. But whatever their motivation for doing it, it did kind of paint a picture. And can you clarify that? What does that mean that the media has done the best? The media job? has gone out of its way, and rightly so, to show those preachers who fly two and three different kinds of jets who live, have a four or five homes, million dollar homes and live a lavish lifestyle. That, that kind of media coverage. And one of the things about that kind of coverage is that they kind of present it as if most pastors are living that kind of lifestyle. And that is simply not true. In fact, um, most pastors, according to statistics, have a full-time job. So they're, yeah. they're bivocational. Yeah. They they have, you know, doing the pastor thing, and then they're also working a full-time job. Even those that do get paid uh, from the gospel, most of them are only making about average, about 40, maybe $45,000 a year. Um, I'm sorry, but you could be a janitor and make that much money. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. so, and, and and I'm not here to to lambaste the media. It's just saying that if or the pastors that are getting paid a, a small amount of money for spreading the message, right? Because sharing with their church. The Bible says in uh in um the book of Corinthians, First Corinthians, Paul said. In fact, I was reading that this morning. It said, "Listen, they that preach the gospel." deserve to live off of the gospel. In other words, they deserve a salary. Should it be an extravagant salary? No, probably not. But just because um, you are a pastor doesn't mean that you have to be filthy rich or that you don't have to be dirt poor. So uh, with that in mind, that's what we uh, believe the prosperity gospel is. And here's some of the reasons why we think that, according to the Bible anyway, the prosperity gospel is unbiblical. Number one, it's unbalanced. What do I mean by that? That means that it concentrates or focuses on one particular part of the gospel, and that obviously is the finances. And they can go for weeks and months talking specifically about money to the detriment 
of the people there because the Bible is more than just about money. And we're going to get into later on, Jill, about how God actually does want his people to be prosperous, but for a reason that the prosperity gospel preachers never cover that specific reasons why and how God wants his people to be prosperous. I am reminded of a time we've visited many, many churches, and I'm reminded of the time that we went to this one church in particular, and the pastor went up, and she just kept talking about the prosperity portion of the Bible. Yes. And when you got up there and said, listen, that's unbiblical, it's okay to pray <laughs> for these things, but that should never be our main message. Jill, have you noticed, They never though? invited us back there. <laughs> I was about to say, have you yeah. noticed that I never got an invite back? No, nope, never heard from it her is, again. It is funny that you mentioned that because I, 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 I was just thinking about that this morning as I was doing my reading. Um, so it's just amazing that you would bring that up. Now, I, you and I have not talked about that. But but yeah, we were just um we never got invited back to minister there. Um here's a here's a story. Uh you know, uh one of our parts of our ministry is street preaching, where we go out into the community and we preach the gospel and we talk to people and we pray with people and we counsel with people. Well, one one day this year, one Saturday, uh I'm sorry, twenty twenty two, we went to one of our usual spots and this woman came across the street under the pretense that she wanted um, she wanted prayer. So after we prayed, um, she started on a rant about um, how I was just like all the other preachers and we just wanted money and on and on and on and on. And on. Now, clearly this woman was um, intoxicated. Oh, was she? Yeah, she was intoxicated, heavily so. Maybe even on some other heavier stuff as well. But my point of this story is that of all the things to accuse us of, I mean, obviously she didn't know us and what we're about, but why that particular thing? Well, and not to mention the fact that we were in the poorest part of that city. Yes. Right? There was no money to get in that city. Right, right. And the police were there one day. In fact, the first time we rolled up in there, uh, and they were there to the morgue was there, um, and they had... They were there dealing with someone who had overdosed and unfortunately died. Right. And so um, there was no money to be had there. If you're going to go looking for money, this was not the place to be looking for it. Amen. And in fact, I declare to you that we've probably given people more money in that area. That's right. Then we never ask for money when we're out in the community like that. Never ever ask for money when we're doing those kinds of things. But my my point of this whole story is I hope that that wasn't because of a general view of what Christianity is nowadays, that preachers just want your money. I think that, unfortunately, the prosperity gospel has helped to fuel this negative image about Christianity. I agree. Because people, they don't hear the good stories. They just hear the bad stories. And that's with anything, right? They don't hear about the pastor around the corner that his church is trying his best to feed the community. You don't hear about those stories, but you do hear about the story about the pastor across town that has a mega church and he drives a gold-plated Cadillac or a gold-plated Mercedes. 
Now make and, and he has a personal plane. And has a, a personal plane. And he gets on TV and says, "Listen, God wants me to have a second plane. Not that there's anything wrong with my first plane. It's just, it's just I need two planes." Like, okay. Now, when they hear these kinds of stories, and then poor poor <laughs> pastors like myself show up, we get accused. We get lumped in with these other people, and right. it's simply not fair. So we want to put this out on the podcast today that the excuse me the prosperity gospel is unbiblical. Number one, because it is unbalanced; it does not tell the full story of the gospel. Number two, it focuses on prosperity more so than on Christ. Um, and I got a quote that I came up with that I I want to read. The, the quote is: "Our primary message." should be about a growing relationship with Christ, not about how I can get Christ to get me what I want. And I've seen and heard too many of the prosperity gospel messages that seem like they have Jesus trying to use Christ as in a as a genie in a in a magic bottle, magic lamp, where you rub him three times by the three things you do is pay your tithes, show up for church, and and plant a seed faith offering as as it will. And if you do those three things and come to church on a regular basis, you can pretty much ask God whatever you want and he'll grant it to you. Yeah, it just doesn't work that way. Now, the unbeliever sees and hears these things and they rightly think, I don't want any part of that. I don't want any part of that. In fact, quick story, quick story. Um, One of the people that we worked with uh, some years ago and I was counseling this brother to go to church. So he didn't know where to go. And I said, well, listen, I'll take you to a few churches. So we went to this one church that actually Jill and I had attended a few times and we thought it was okay. But remember, Jill and I are Christians, so we can discern a little thing, some things better. Right. Now, I took this unbeliever there. He was just about at that point, just about at the point the seed had been planted had been watered and just about at that point, you know, where it's ready to make that conversion. So we went to this church and five minutes into arriving, they started talking about money. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't there for this one. They started talking but about yeah. money and my heart went. Oh. Now, this church was talking about money as, as far as money management is concerned and how God wants you to be a better better money manager. And I agree with all of that. Um, but this guy who was kind of, well, he's not rich or anything, but he didn't need that information. He came there seeking Jesus. Right. Not, In fact, he travels all the time and he's discovered the Bible app and he listens to the Bible in his car. So he's just learning Yes, uh, yes. all about it. And one of his biggest concerns was, are these people just out to get my money? And again, I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe a big push into society as a whole believing that is that prosperity gospel yeah. that tells folks, listen, if you, if you rub Jesus the right way, you can pretty much get three wishes. You can get, if you plant a seed faith offering, and the scriptures that they go to, again, are unbalanced. Um, they don't tell the full story. For example, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verses 18, it talks about, 
This is the time when the children of Israel were about to go into the promised land, and Moses is going off the scene, and a new guy is coming on. And God is telling them through this new guy, Joshua, to don't forget about God when they get over into this new prosperous land, because this land is so fertile that it can grow grapes as big as your head. That's a slight exaggeration to illustrate the point, but you get it. Um, And he says, don't forget me. Don't get over there and start thinking that you got here on your own, because it is God that gives thee the power to get wealth. Boom. And a lot of the prosperity gospels, they take that piece and don't read the rest of that that, um, verse and run with it. Now, I just said, God said, it is God that gives the power to get wealth, and I can run with that. Well, that's out of context. Right. Now, the rest of that sentence go, it is, and I'm paraphrasing the whole verse, it is God that gives thee the power to get wealth so that, there's this little stipulation there, and the stipulation is that, that you can continue to go on and preach this gospel to other nations so that, and another piece to that is that God can continue to establish the covenant or the promise that he made with the fathers before uh, the children of Israel, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, three pieces why the prosperity gospel is unbiblical. It's unbalanced. It doesn't tell the full story. It focuses on prosperity and too much, so much more than it focuses on Christ, which should be the main focus. It uses Christ as a magic lamp type of scenario. and. I got to say, God does want his people to be blessed, the scripture just read, but it's for a reason. Now, over in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses, verse 6, and I'm going to paraphrase this too, um, you remember the verse we were just talking about, Jeff? so help me if I miss part of the quote, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, and in your leisure, go to that, that verse yourself, and if you can, and if you can read it out of the New International Version or some other version of the Bible, even better. It talks about having godliness is contentment. Having God is contentment to your soul. Is that what it says? Uh, let me read it. <laughs> but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we shall we can carry nothing out. And having Food and gainment let us be where therewith contentment. But thy they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destate destruction and prediction. Perdition. Perdition. Mm. For the love of money is the root of all evil which will some convert after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Okay, that's enough. Oh, my goodness. Doesn't that say it all? Listen, if you have God in your life and you got your basic necessities met, the Bible has said that that is great gain. Uh, a lot of people who can ill afford to sow these seed fate offerings into these ministries. They can ill afford it. They've been told, and listen, if you take your, your rent money, if you take your, your, your food money, and you use that as a faith, 
uh, showing of your faith and sow it in, into this ministry, God is going to bless you. And then they come back with these sometimes made up testimonies of people who said, I sold $50 into the offering. It was my last $50. And, and, and a, a week later, I opened the mailbox and I got a check for $500 and, and all these kinds of stories. And when I see these kinds of stories, my heart just drops. My heart drops. Is there such a thing as a seed faith offering? Of course there is. But when you attach giving to God as you're going to be blessed, there's some strings attached and God's not going to honor that. God is not going to honor that. If you read and study the Bible carefully, you'll, see, you'll begin to see some of the unbiblical, the, the heresy that's out there. And I'll go on record as saying this, the biggest kick or the biggest uh, uh, detriment to Christianity today is what? Christians. <laughs> it's not even the world. We can see the world coming, but it's Christians. Christians who, who call themselves Christians, just like we talked last week about, about the, um, uh, uh, the Christian, Christ, nationalism. Christian nationalism. They have the word Christian on their name, but they're the biggest threat to Christianity than the devil. And, and I, am I being too harsh when I say that? I don't know. But <laughs> is the prosperity gospel unbiblical? Yes because it focuses too much on prosperity and not enough on Christ, which makes it altogether wrong. Okay, so let's back up. Can we back up just a little bit? That's everything that the Bible says, but now I've got questions. So say you're a Christian. Uh, does that mean that you have to live in poverty and give everything over to God? No. So what is the recipe there? What is okay and what isn't? Well, that is uh, an individual choice and walk with God. But as we read in the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, in the, <clears throat> the, um, the promises that was given to them also falls on us because of faith. The Bible says in the New Testament that basically what I'm saying, the because we are children of Abraham by faith, all those promises that was given to them back in the Old Testament, they're given to us as well. So in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, it said, God gives us the power to get wealth. So in other words, God wants us to prosper. He wants us to be prosperous. And it's him and our individual conscience that decide what level of prosperity that we want for most people. There are, Jesus said point blank, there's going to be some poor people no matter what. So it's not that God is here to make us rich, but it's also... Or to keep us poor. Or to keep us poor, because that's a false false doctrine too, that, well, Jesus is poor, so we got to be poor too. No, no, that's that was Jesus' choice to do that. God wants us to be prosperous. And what do I mean by prosperous? Drop flying two golden jets? No, of course not. But to have our basic needs met and a little bit more so that we can give and bless someone else, that's the level of prosperity that God is talking about for your average, everyday, run-of-the-mill Christians like us. Right. And, and, it, and so now, what if you give your 10% of your income over to your church, uh, but 
you know that your church is supporting 18 families in some third world country. Beautiful. That's that's good, right? Right, right. In fact, I believe also in the book of Corinthians where Paul is telling the church there, listen, when you sow into God by giving of your 10% or 20%, it doesn't have to be 10%. It can be 50% if you can afford it. Uh, when you sow, God is going to bless you so much so that you, you're going to have enough to take care of your own needs and to bless somebody else. So in other words, he wants us to be prosperous, not so that we can have five, five houses and 10 cars, but so that we can be a blessing to someone else. And it doesn't even have to be in far reaches of the world. It could be right around the corner. It could be in your own neighborhood. God wants us to be blessed so that we can be a blessing to someone else. Right. Next question. <laughs> uh, so we talked about how some pastors have jobs out away from the church. The statistics didn't, say that most do. Ninety percent. Didn't Paul have his own? Yes. Business. Paul, um, I'm trying to think of the scripture off the top of my head. Uh, obviously, it's in the New Testament. Paul uh, was a tent maker. We see that because the scripture says that. Paul had met Aquila and Priscilla, who were tent makers, and the Bible says that they had the same profession as Paul. We found out in later other books of the Bible that Paul wrote that not only did he have a job himself, but his salary from his job was able to take care of not only him, but those that traveled with him. He took care, and that's my goal. That is literally my goal for my outside profession to be able to not only take care of me and my household, but those that travel with me as we preach this gospel. Right. In fact, in the last chapter of the book of Acts, we find Paul who had been arrested <laughs> and was under armed guard in chains. He was still able, they allowed him to go out and work. And he made enough money that he rented his own house, his own apartment, if you will. He rented an apartment and had people come to him instead of him going to them. And this way, he had private conversations with people, and he was able to continue to work. Well, Amazing. That's, that's <laughs> like what we had accomplished with the business we had in Spenceport yes. was roundtable discussions where we were, you know, you're in church. You can't raise your hand and say, excuse me, pastor, I got a question. Can we stop your sermon? Well, you could do that, but you'd probably be rebuked. But <laughs> <laughs> And smaller discussions, you could learn a lot more and you could ask questions. Well, that, that's another uh, episode for the podcast about um, why small gatherings are better. Uh, that's another subject for another time, and we're definitely going to tackle that. Um, but let's get back to, um, is the prosperity gospel unbiblical? Yes. Yes, it is. We believe that it is because the primary message is about finances and how and what you need to do to increase your finances, as opposed to the prim primary, primary message being about how to grow closer to Christ. And with that, I want to ask all of the listeners to this podcast, you've been listening to uh, us trying to correct some of the 
misconceptions about the gospel. Um, and like we always say, don't take our word for it. Pick up the Bible and look at it yourself. Right. You don't have to. We are. This is our opinion. This is our interpretation. You should pick up the Bible and read it yourself. And I'd like to add to that, Jill. This is our 30 plus years of pastoring, mentoring other pastors, and teaching others to do discipleship and evangelism. Um, does that mean we're experts on the subject? I don't know, but we've been doing this for quite some time and with various numbers of diverse numbers of people. And now we're still traveling or will be traveling uh, the state preaching the gospel wherever we can find a listening ear. And if you're one of those people that have been listening to the podcast for any length of time, and you've made a decision that you want to know more about this Jesus Christ that we're talking about, then I want to give you an opportunity today to get to know him. It's a simple process. Got to be sincere, though. And the process is simply admitting that you have broken the relationship that God wants to have with you. God wants to be your friend. He wants to be your savior. He wants to be your Lord. But the things that we do have broken that relationship. And I know that sounds hard to believe that God wants to be our friend and not our taskmaster. That's another subject for another time. But today, if you would just say this simple prayer with me, Father, I realize now that I am a sinner. I feel bad about this, and I want to repent of all the wrongdoings that I've done. I want and desire a deeper knowledge and relationship with you. I believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross to pay the price for my sins that I cannot pay. I receive him now as my Savior, and I ask God that you would save me and fill me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Friends, if you said that prayer with, with a sincerity in your heart, then the Bible lets us know that you are now part of the kingdom of God, but it doesn't stop there. I would encourage you to go and find, do your research and find a Bible-believing church. Go there, stay there, listen, and be encouraged. And don't just go with the attitude of what I can get, but go there to see how you, too, can be a blessing to them. Now, before we end, I want to ask Jill if we have any summarizing or follow-up questions that we can answer before we end the podcast today. Nope. nope. I think you did okay. We did okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you got any other questions that you want answered, please give us a call at area code 585-331-3424, and we will be happy. Leave a voicemail. We'll be happy to answer them on the podcast. And until next time, we'll see you again at Not Your Parents Religion Podcast. I am your host, Pastor Robert Young. I'm Jill Young. Have a great week, everyone. Stay safe. And God, God bless. bless.